Hey listeners, Mealy and Christine here. Though we are licensed medical professionals, nothing we speak about in the well conversation should be taken as health advice. These episodes are based on a review of current research available and well-known frequently applied interventions used by professionals in the field. If you have a pre-existing medical condition, the information shared in this presentation may not be entirely safe or applicable to you. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before applying any changes to your health, especially if you have a pre-existing medical condition or are taking prescription medications. Welcome back for another episode of The Well Conversation. I'm your host, Dr. Christine. And I'm Dr. Maley. And today is another episode of our Supplement Spotlight series. We're talking all about B vitamins. Now, B vitamins are special because there's not just one B vitamin like there is with, say, vitamin D. There are eight different forms of B vitamins. Each B vitamin has its own separate name and number. So it can get confusing when either a reference when talking about supplements or reading on a nutrition label. So let's start by going through each B vitamin. B1 can also be called thiamine. B2 is called riboflavin. B3 or niacin. B5 or pantothenic acid. B6 or peroxidine. B7, biotin. B9, folate, or B12, cobalamin. Okay, so what do these B vitamins do in our body? The B vitamins play many roles throughout the body, and they each have unique actions. But in general, B vitamins are used for energy production, metabolism, immune health, creating neurotransmitters and hormones, as well as DNA replication and creating cofactors for enzymatic reactions. If you remember from our magnesium podcast, we also talked about how magnesium was very important in creating cofactors for enzymatic reactions, just like B vitamins are. And so a lot of these processes in our body that are necessary to either create energy or other things that are very important in the body, you can't do them without the B vitamins, just like with magnesium. Yeah, exactly. And there are several other roles that are unique to some of these individual B vitamins, um, but we can attach a handout in our resources so we don't bore you reading through all of their specific actions. But so in general, they're used for energy production, metabolism, and helping us go through different reactions in the body. So next we can talk about where we can get these B vitamins from. There are slight differences between sources for the different B vitamins, but in general, we can get them from meats, poultry, fish, dairy, legumes, nuts, dark leafy greens, and fortified grains. And in terms of how much we need of each B vitamin, it can differ depending on what your needs are. So for adults, the amount that you need is much less than, for example, if you might be pregnant or breastfeeding. So usually people who are pregnant or breastfeeding have a much higher B vitamin requirement and also can be different for children as well. So it's always important to consult with your healthcare practitioner before beginning any sort of supplement at all. 
Okay, so next let's chat about who maybe is at risk for being deficient in B vitamins or not having enough. So for this one, we'll break it down between the eight different B vitamins. So B1 or thiamine, as Christine explained to us at the beginning, those who suffer from alcohol dependence often have deficiency in their B1 as well as those with diabetes, those with heart failure, and older adults because of the absorption is decreased, as well as anyone with HIV or AIDS. And often sometimes with people who consume a lot of alcohol on a regular basis, they're often depleted in a lot of these B vitamins and that can cause a lot of symptoms that you may recognize with a hangover like a headache or the general feeling of like malaise or not feeling well, which of course can come from alcohol toxicity, but with the continued prolonged use of high amounts of alcohol can definitely cause severe deficiencies in these B vitamins. For B2 or riboflavin, those following a vegan diet or not consuming Consuming any dairy products are likely to be deficient. Athletes who don't eat meat, especially those who also don't eat dairy or other animal products, so for example, vegan athletes are very likely to be deficient in riboflavin. And women who are pregnant or lactating, especially those who might also be vegetarian or vegan. So for niacin, B3, anyone, again, who uses a lot of alcohol, this is another one that can be depleted. Those with inflammatory bowel disease or IBD, so that's things like Crohn's and colitis, they're often deficient in B3. And people who have eating disorders such as anorexia or bulimia also often have low levels of niacin. Niacin is also one of these um, up-and-coming very popular supplements. People are, have been taking them a lot for anti-aging purposes, and it's really creating a lot of hype in the supplement world. So we can definitely talk a little bit more about this if we have any interest from our listeners. Next up is B5 or pantothenic acid. It's not as common to have an outright deficiency of B5. It usually happens only in those with a genetic condition or with someone who has very, very poor absorption. But B5 isn't one that you generally have to be concerned about for a deficiency. And B6, this is a little bit more of a common deficiency. So anyone who has kidney disease, this is a common one that we need to make sure that people are getting adequate amounts. Again, people with Crohn's or colitis are often deficient in B6, those with celiac disease, and as well as autoimmune disorders. So those who have something such as rheumatoid arthritis. And B6 is also one of the B vitamins that if you are on long-term use of oral contraceptives, you should definitely be supplementing with B6 or talk to your healthcare provider about it. Long-term continued use of oral contraceptives has been shown to deplete vitamin B6 and can cause some symptoms that people will attribute to oral contraceptive mm -hmm. use, but it's actually because of the depletion of the B6. So when you replete the B6, some of these symptoms might go away. Yeah, exactly. B7 or biotin, this one's a very popular one for people who, anyone who thinks of hair, skin, and nails, they always have this like high dose biotin supplement in gummies or in chewable tablets and people love to take them. Even my mom, one of her favorite vitamins is like a hair, skin, and nails gummy from Costco, I think. And that one is just all uh, biotin. And so it's actually quite rare in North America to have an outright deficiency in biotin. Um, sometimes those with alcohol use disorder, like we discuss for some of the other B vitamins or women who are pregnant and breastfeeding might have biotin deficiency, but it's not quite common to have an actual deficiency in biotin. 
and B9 or folate or sometimes called folic acid, you might see it. This one, again, it's the same sort of condition. So the Crohn's, colitis, celiac, anything that interferes really with nutrient absorption is going to lower your folate as well as alcohol. And again, as Christine was saying, like the B6 folate can also be depleted from an oral contraceptive pill. And like we mentioned with women who are pregnant or breastfeeding, folate is actually something that medical doctors will recommend to pregnant women and naturopathic doctors as well in high doses because not having enough folate can cause some birth defects such as neural tube disorders and fetuses. So this one is one of the ones that you'll see in very high doses in prenatal vitamins, for example. Right. And that's why in general, prenatals are usually very high in B vitamins. And sometimes if someone's vegan or vegetarian or really deficient in B vitamins, they'll be prescribed a prenatal. And that's just because this prenatal is really high in these B vitamins because we want to make sure that because it is important for women in childbearing years to have sufficient levels of B vitamins for that same reason that Christine was talking about for the neural tube defect. Last but not least is B12. This one is actually a very common deficiency seen by medical doctors and naturopathic doctors as well. It's something that will often test for because it can cause a lot of these uncomfortable symptoms that we'll discuss later on. And so for B12, people who are at risk for B12 deficiency, those with conditions that might interfere with absorption of nutrients, for example, cancer, or like Meili was saying, Crohn's or colitis, celiac disease, older adults, as you age, more elderly population, actually their capability of basically processing B vitamins to allow it to be better used by your body becomes lower and lower each year because there's this thing in your stomach called intrinsic factor that helps with this process and that actually decreases year by year. So we'll find uh, B12 deficiencies within the elderly population. And the vegan and vegetarians as well, that population is often deficient in B12 because the B12 vitamin is only found in animal products other than some fortified grains that we mentioned. But in general, you're only going to naturally find B12 in high enough amounts in animal products. So this is something that I usually test clinically. And a lot of time I see there is both outright deficiency and then there are low levels. And I think this is something that is sometimes a little bit different seeing an naturopathic doctor and a conventional general practitioner is the levels of adequacy for B vitamins. It changes so we can have an outright deficiency and you'll see that on your lab work or we can have suboptimal levels. So as we talked about in some of our other supplement spotlight episodes, there are ranges and these ranges that you see on your lab work have been determined from a population. And so we look at a population and we say, if you're in this range, you're probably not going to be sick. And that's what the lab tests determine. And then clinically, we can go in and say, okay, if you are fatigued and you are on the lower end of the spectrum, you may need to have a B12 level around 500 rather than 200. And so that's where we go in and that's where it's really important to have that discussion with your healthcare practitioner. And that's where individualized medicine is really important. So now that we've discussed populations that might be more at risk for a deficiency, we can go into some of the more common signs and symptoms that you might have with each B vitamin deficiency. So starting again with B1 or thiamine, weight loss is very common with this deficiency, having uh, less appetite, any sort of memory problems or confusion can also be commonly seen with other B vitamin deficiencies as well. You might start seeing some heart problems, loss of muscle mass, or poor reflexes with this. 
Okay, moving on to B2 deficiency. So here we can see some interesting signs. So these are all usually located around the mouth. So we can see small cuts or sores at the corners of your mouth, as well as swelling of your lips, tongue, and throat, as well as some hair loss. And then also itchy red eyes can be a sign of B2 deficiency. I remember when I first learned about B vitamin deficiency or even specifically B2 deficiency, talking about like the little sores or cracks yeah. at the corners of your mouth. I was just thinking like every winter I would always get a ton of them. Like every month I would yeah. start getting these cuts. And I thought it was like maybe I was eating Dry. some sort of food. I remember when I was a kid specifically eating those like tubes, those yogurt tubes. Oh, and the corn. And because they're very sharp, I just thought it was because of that. And I was like, I like I'm not really eating tubes happens. anymore. <laughs> Um, but once I started supplementing with a high quality B, I noticed like I never get them anymore mm -hmm. at the corners of my mouth. Mm -hmm. and they were so like, they were so irritating all the time to yeah. me and to get them, it was just, and then it would take at least a week for it to go away. And it was always just so bothersome and painful and just taking a B vitamin was a cure to that. Yeah. That was something new that I learned in school as well too. I didn't know that. So next up is B3 or niacin. So B3 deficiency can present with uh, brown discoloration on your skin when it's exposed to sunlight, any sort of rough patches of skin, uh, having a bright red tongue, vomiting, diarrhea, or constipation, headache, fatigue, or depression can be signs of a B3 deficiency. And I think it's important to note that bright red tongue, it would be very obvious and you can Google an image of it. So some people have redder tongues than normal and you will see like this, it's a really bright red tongue. So I think if your tongue is a little bit red, it's okay. It's not, <laughs> if you've you eaten not. something spicy and it's like bright red, <laughs> don't think that you have an outright niacin deficiency. <laughs> yeah. And again, yeah, just to a reminder, these are deficiencies. So these aren't suboptimal levels like I was discussing before. These are like outright deficiency where you need to supplement. Okay, so B5, this one has an interesting symptom of irritability with the deficiency of it, as well as numbness and burning of the hands and feet, headaches and a loss of appetite. As we mentioned before, it's pretty rare to be deficient in B5 unless you have a genetic disorder. So these are symptoms if you have that genetic disorder, but if you have a headache or you're feeling irritable, it's probably not just because of your B5. <laughs> it might be a combination of other B vitamins, which will also cause similar things like irritability, headache, poor sleep, low energy, low energy, things like that. So it's good to kind of consider the whole picture rather than seeing mm -hmm. this and saying, oh, I must have a genetic disorder that'll cause me to have a B5 deficiency. <laughs> Next up is vitamin B6. So some of the signs and symptoms of a B6 deficiency can be scaling on the lips. Again, cracks at the corners of your mouth, swollen tongue, having a weakened immune system. I know headaches can be a sign of B6 deficiency, especially with those who are on long-term use of oral contraceptives and confusion and depression also on the list of deficiency symptoms for B6. And biotin or B7, the next one. So the first thing is thinning of hair. And so that's why people start to supplement biotin for thinning hair. There's still not amazing research for supplementing the biotin and then thickening your hair. So 
it makes sense that a deficiency causes it. So if we take the biotin, then your hair may get thicker. But the issue is there's a lot of things that can cause thinning of hair. And so if it's not due to this biotin deficiency, then supplementing with biotin is not going to help for it. But that's just the one symptom. Also, brittle nails, exact same theory. Also looking at, again, that fatigue. And that's a common thing that we're seeing with all of these B vitamins, this depression, fatigue. And it's interesting, a lot of women who are on the oral contraceptive pill often complain about fatigue or depression or low mood as symptoms of the oral contraceptive. So it would be interesting to see if given an oral contraceptive pill and given maybe a B complex, if these symptoms would still would still be there. And also with the low mood B vitamins, we'll talk about this a little bit more in detail later, but B vitamins, especially at a high dose, are often used for people with some mental health conditions mm-hmm. as well. Just because B vitamins are so closely linked with your mood, and your energy levels, which all of that combined with, I don't know, say a pandemic can definitely (laughs) cause some serious mental health issues. So it's really important to be supplementing with uh, B complex if it's indicated. Yeah. When we were talking about the role of B vitamins in the body, they also make neurotransmitters, which are really important for our brain health, but also our mood and mental health. So if we're deficient, we're not making a certain amount of neurotransmitters so some neurotransmitters are things like serotonin or dopamine and so if we're low on our b vitamins we can see how that can impact mood as well and these are like our happy hormones our relaxing hormones and you can obviously tell how if those are imbalanced you might have an issue with you know being able to uh, regulate your mood high or low as it may be or just uh, in a neutral state as well. It can be quite difficult without having enough of these neurotransmitters. Next is vitamin B9 or folate and this one's a, a pretty important one as well. It tends to play along with B12 so often you'll see them together and so B9 deficiencies can include weakness, headache, heart palpitations is a pretty common one again with irritability and um, sores on the tongue or mouth and also with hair skin and nail changes with these biotin supplements sometimes you'll find them mixing a lot of other B vitamins in there as well because of these changes often seen with deficiencies. Okay, and B12, the last one. So a very common symptom is fatigue. So fatigue is seen in the outright deficiency, but fatigue is a number one indicator of just suboptimal levels. So you can still feel this fatigue in some of the brain fog and cognitive issues, even if you're at a suboptimal level of B12. Um, Some other symptoms of a deficiency are constipation, weight loss, loss of appetite, Tingling hands and feet is a common one for outright deficiency, as well as memory problems and depression. I know that especially we talked about how the elderly population might be more at risk for B12 deficiency. A lot of the elderly populations in my practice and a lot of them will have this sort of tingling in their Mm -hmm. hands and feet and they'll attribute it to something, for example, like poorly managed diabetes or some sort of other neurological condition, then they'll start getting worried about either MS or Parkinson's or anything along those lines. And we do a quick B12 test. We see that their B12 is almost bottomed out. We start them on a supplement or even injectable B12. And then all of a sudden they come back a couple of weeks later saying like, oh, I don't have the tingling in my (laughs) hands and feet anymore. And like, that was like, it was like a quick turnaround change for that. So having B12 tested, I think, is one of the more important things, especially for populations that might be at risk. 
Yeah, and that elderly population because some of these symptoms are fatigue, brain fog, and memory problems. So if you have someone who's 76 years old and they're having some memory problems, our first thought is usually dementia, right? And so sometimes if a nutritional inadequacy is overlooked, then someone may be going down a certain path. And when it can be, as Christine was saying, a few B12 injections and they're feeling much better, energy's better, they remember things better, they're feeling better in their day to day. So I think it's very important to always go back to, okay, are there basic nutritional needs being met first? Okay. And then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, I do find often, especially the elderly population, kind of these symptoms get overlooked. And especially if they have comorbid factors as well, like I was saying before, diabetes, or like you were saying, oh, if you have a family history of dementia, mm-hmm. they'll just chalk that up to this is early onset, or not even early onset, this is the beginning of mm-hmm. dementia for you at this age, which is common. Right. So like, let's just continue to make sure that you know your dementia doesn't get too bad and we'll start supplementing or providing medications for you to kind of help with the dementia process when it could be just something as simple as vitamin B12. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, let's move into supplementation then. So we've talked about foods. We wanted to do a supplement spotlight on B vitamins because this is something where a lot of people do need to supplement because of the foods that we can get it in. So we talked about a lot of them are animal products. And so with the growing vegetarian and vegan population, it's really important that the need for B vitamins is emphasized. So who needs to supplement? If you're vegan, most likely you need to be taking a high quality B complex and maybe also a B12 on top of that. But again, it's you have to talk with your healthcare provider. Vegetarians, depending on what type of vegetarian you are, if you eat fish or not. And dairy and dairy yeah and pregnant and breastfeeding individuals usually if you are trying to become pregnant your healthcare provider will suggest you go on a prenatal which is usually high in these b vitamins as i was mentioning before so it may not be called a b complex it may have some other vitamins in there as well but it's usually high in b vitamins so that's for if you are pregnant if you want to get pregnant or if you are breastfeeding again as we talked about those who are in that elderly population so anyone around 65 plus they are a lot more susceptible to deficiencies for a few reasons that absorption christine was talking about and then also appetite usually declines with age and you're eating less and depending on your lifestyle you may need to supplement if you are 65 plus and the last group is a high stress group um (laughs) b vitamins as we talked about are used as cofactors. So that means they help enzymatic reactions in the body. So our adrenal glands, which secrete our stress hormone cortisol, use up a lot of B vitamins. And so if we are constantly stressed and you're a high stress individual who you know that you are constantly under stress, this hormone is being secreted a lot more than what would be in a normal range, you may need more of these B vitamins because you're using more. So it's not that the B vitamins will lower your stress, it just helps your body deal with the stress from a biochemical perspective. And going on the topic of vegans and vegetarians, I actually went vegan for maybe like six or seven months. I was like a very strict vegan. It was kind of like a self-experiment. And also at that time, we were in naturopathic medical school, so it was obviously a very high-stress environment. (laughs) And I've never felt so deficient in my life. Like I know people would look at me and say like, oh, you look really tired (laughs) 
and I remember even like just like my outlook was just kind of more gray. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't really say if I had like a frank depression. I mm-hmm. pro- maybe did, but I just remember feeling everything would just seemed more like dull and gray. Mm-hmm. And then I had a conversation. Obviously, I knew a lot about these B vitamins, and I think at that time I wasn't supplementing. You know, probably a phase of <laughs> supplement burden as well. And I talked to one of my supervisors who basically said, "Oh yeah, I was vegetarian for like." 15 years and then when I started eating meat again I saw colors brighter and I was like oh is this something that could be happening because like the <laughs> colors could be happening because I'm deficient in so many things yeah. and lo and behold when I started eating meat again I literally saw colors brighter and it was like 360 degree change within a month I felt 10 times better not to say that the vegan diet isn't good for everyone but mm-hmm. I find that especially being in clinical practice I do find that it's good for you know a small subset of the population they really thrive on this vegan diet but for me it really wasn't right even though I was like you know hitting these protein numbers yeah. And like really tracking my macronutrients and micronutrients to make sure that I was like hitting all these numbers, it still wasn't really that great for me. And maybe it could have been the just the a simple vitamins. high dose B vitamin that that could have helped that for sure. Yeah, I think definitely and B complex for if someone is vegan or vegetarian is one of the populations probably it's most needed, especially women in childbearing years who are vegan, which is a very high population of vegans are young women. And I think that population is really important to have high quality B complex. And so continuing on the supplementation train, so which B vitamins should you supplement with? In my opinion, I think a B Mm -hmm. complex is probably best just to get all the bases covered in at least their minimal dose. Mm -hmm. Unless you're B12 deficient, then I would definitely recommend also adding a B12 supplement, probably with a little bit of folate in it as well. And the method of supplementation, two options, either oral supplement daily or with injectables. Most naturopathic doctors will be able to do B12 injections. Also, your medical doctor will do B12 injections as well. Especially for the vegan vegetarian population, I would highly recommend, you know, getting an injection once or twice a month is super simple, super easy, and will make sure that you have adequate levels of these B vitamins so that you don't suffer any of the symptoms of B12 deficiency. And I think also to add to the elderly population, sometimes injections can be helpful to have, you know, your once a month go in for your B12 injection, and then you don't have to think about it because of that pill burden. And if you are taking a lot of other medications and there's the issue of compliance, I think it's just easy. You only have to do it once, you're done, don't have to think about it until the next appointment. Especially with those who might not have optimal digestion and absorption, Mm -hmm. injectables are 10 times better just because you don't have to worry about how well they digest and absorb a supplement. It just goes straight into their blood. It's quick and easy. And usually people will report feeling much better within hours of getting an injection as well. And that we talked about a lot of people who are more likely to be deficient are those with Crohn's disease, colitis, in general celiac disease. So if you aren't absorbing because of maybe your digestive issues, then again, an injectable or having it mixed into an IV may be a great option for you. So next, what to look for in a B vitamin supplement. So it depends. I don't want to get too complicated with the conversation, but there's this buzzword that a lot of people like to use, which is methylation or being a poor methylator. So we talked about the cobalamin, which is B12. And that one actually 
The most active form of it that you can get in a supplement is called methylcobalamin versus uh, some of the cheaper supplements you might see will have cyanocobalamin in which your body has to go in. It has to methylate this cyanocobalamin in order to activate it for your body to use. So it really depends on your body's methylation capabilities. If it's a little slow, then a lot of people will have a lot more trouble processing a non-active form of B12. And if it's adequate, then likely you'll do just fine on the cyanocobalamin. But I don't really like to take these risks, especially if it's like, you know, a very small difference. And also you're getting a higher quality supplement with that, then this is just what I generally recommend. There's no point in kind of guessing, (laughs) guess doing guesswork like, oh, I guess you should be in or some people who get these genetic tests will oh, yeah. also, they'll tell you if you're right. a poor methylator or if you're an adequate or a very good methylator as well but i just think the best bet is to buy the most metabolically active forms yeah and i so i usually just say get a methylcobalamin and the good thing about b vitamins is they're usually not that expensive and so getting methylcobalamin versus cyanocobalamin is not that much more expensive so it is worth it. And if you can't remember the exact words, just one starts with an M and that's the one you want. And the other one is cyano, (laughs) so C-Y. So you want the one with the M. And that's for B12. And also for folate, I find the metabolically active form is also very important. So usually it's methyl tetrahydrofolate, or you'll often find this like L-5-MTHF or methyl tetrahydrofolate versus something that simply says folic acid. This one I find is very poorly absorbed for people because B vitamins are also water soluble. They'll end up just peeing it out without being able to sort of convert it into a metabolically active form. And also it's it's really important to get if you're going to have a folate supplement to also have it with B12 as supplementing with folate can actually mask a B12 deficiency so it's also important to get this tested and you know if all else fails just take a supplement with them both involved always taking them with food you'll learn this the hard yeah. way if you take it on an empty stomach a lot of these B vitamins can cause nausea and so I think B3 in specific and B6 for sure if you take these on an empty stomach, you will feel very terrible for a very, very short amount of time. But like anytime. It's not pleasant. Yeah. A couple of times I'll like challenge myself being like, yeah, I'm just going to take it. Like I'm fasting. I don't want to, I don't want to eat something or like I'll forget to take my B complex. So I'll just take it now. And then like, I'll just feel so terrible for like the entire morning until the nausea subsides. But it's, it's just, it's like very gross feeling. Yeah. <laughs> And also specifically for B12, um, I find that a sublingual, so that means like a tablet that'll dissolve under your Mm -hmm. tongue or even a liquid supplement that you can drop under your tongue is best. It's best absorbed sublingually or under your tongue. Especially those who we're talking about, if maybe they're supplementing because they have, let's say, Crohn's disease, then we know that, or if they're maybe their stomach acid, you don't have enough stomach acid to digest the B12 and absorb it. So then if you take it sublingually, then you are absorbing it in a different pathway. So you're not going through that digestive pathway. And also depending on the conditions, uh, high doses can be very helpful. We touched on this a little bit previously, but for example, those who are doing some family planning, planning to conceive or get pregnant soon, or are currently pregnant, prenatals I find will have very nice, it's almost like, I think one of them I looked at, it's like almost like three times the dose and is very needed in these populations. Also for mental health, like we discussed before, because a lot of these deficiencies can cause low mood, irritability, and can 
contribute to some mental health issues like depression or anxiety, I find that um, using a high dose, even a prenatal for mental health conditions is very, Mm -hmm. very helpful. And a lot of the time people will be shocked, like even male patients, they'll be like, why are you recommending me a prenatal supplement? I'm like, don't worry about the name. It's just, that's the name because, you know, it's generally used in a prenatal population, but this dose is the dose Mm -hmm. that we need. So unless you want to buy a B vitamin supplement and a couple other things and take those like three times a day, (laughs) then I'd recommend just buying this prenatal that you can take very easily, just like same bottle, a couple capsules from there. The other for mental health. So the deficiency may cause something like depression, but also there is research for using some of the like riboflavin B2, niacin B3, using it clinically. So using it in a high dose, almost like a medication. So maybe even if they're not deficient, we have seen in the research that using these vitamins in a high dose to treat has been helpful. So it may not be that we're correcting this outright deficiency. It may be that there's some reason why this is helpful. And it probably has to do with that neurotransmitter connection. Yeah. Also talking about supplementing beyond the optimal range, I think something really important to talk about is like niacin or B3 is often used in heart health for heart health or heart conditions as niacin supplementation can actually increase HDL cholesterol, which is I like to think of HDL as the good one, LDL as the bad one, mm-hmm. HDL healthy, LDL lethal. Oh, that's <laughs> and good. So you always want to have like a high amount of HDL cholesterol and a low amount of LDL cholesterol and having a good ratio is good as well. So um, supplementing niacin in order to optimize this HDL cholesterol. Yeah. Yeah. And then that HDL can actually help decrease our LDL or that lethal or that bad one. So you may see that it may not be in a supplement form. You may have a prescription or you may see a prescription or know someone who's taking a prescription for niacin and what that is is it's really just a b vitamin so that is a way that they're used medicinally as well also for skin hair skin and nails we were talking about that before with the biotin i know a lot of people take b complexes and will start to notice a significant change in their hair skin and nail health and again this doesn't have to be an outright deficiency but i find that a lot of people when they supplement beyond this optimal range or if they're just in like the higher end of the optimal range they start to notice like stronger nails their hair doesn't break as often or they'll find that like skin conditions they might have had are starting to clear up so it could have been also correcting a deficiency but also supplementing out of just a sufficient range can can have these benefits and a uh, topical so again for niacin niacin is i think my favorite because <laughs> there's so many functions but niacin or you may see the word niacinamide in some topical skincare and niacinamide what it is is that b vitamin and you can use it topically and it actually has pretty good research for acne what it does is it decreases your pore size so decreases you look at your face like you can see the decrease in the pore size but this also leads to decreased acne lesions as well as brightening up the skin. So sometimes that kind of lackluster tone that you see, and then if you start to use niacin topically, like in a serum, that can help as well as hyperpigmentation. So if you maybe use steroid creams for a while, or you have scarring from acne, topical niacinamide serum can be helpful for that as well. Okay, so that was a little tidbit about using uh, B vitamins clinically in higher doses as well. And again, it's always important. We always like to end talking about the safety concerns because these supplements can be amazing and they can really help us out. But it's always important to speak with your healthcare practitioner because 
there can be some side effects. And as Christine mentioned, our B vitamins are water soluble. So what this means is you just pee these out. So you're not going to absorb too much of them that you're going to store them like you would something like a vitamin D. They are water soluble. So it's unlikely you're going to overdose on these. You may notice if you are currently taking a B vitamin or a B complex that your pee is very bright yellow. And this is normal when you're taking a complex because of that riboflavin in it. I think actually I was doing some research on this before and flavin or flavus at the end of riboflavin actually means yellow. So it has this yellow pigmentation to it initially. And I also remember people warned me about this, but the first time I saw this fluorescent pee, I was like, oh my God, Like I feel like I could turn off the light and it would just bright up the room. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's always important for people to know about that or I forget to tell patients about it and then they're like, I had to stop taking it because something happened to my pee and then you just say, okay, that's normal. So you do just pee out the vitamins. It's not that you're going to have too much of it. However, it can happen just like everything. So we need to be careful. And so some symptoms to look out for, especially if you're taking a high dose, First of all, we want to take this with food. So if you're feeling nauseous and you didn't take it with food, that's probably why. But if you did take it with food and you start to have anything like abdominal cramping, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, or blurry vision, anything like that, then this can be a sign of an overdose of too many B vitamins in your body. It's not that your body absorbs them. It's that maybe you're taking so high of a dose that you can't process it out quickly enough. So that would be a very high dose. And then a really unique symptom which happens with high dose of niacin is skin flushing so if anyone's taken maybe a pre-workout supplement before and maybe you take two scoops instead of one (laughs) you notice you get this red face red body and that tingling really intense tingling feeling and like a prickly sensation yeah it's, it's prickly it's very very hot that's called niacin flush and that happens with a high dose niacin and When we are talking about treating depression and mental health conditions, actually, in the research, sometimes to get adequate doses of this niacin, you need to have the flush for it to work. So it's kind of an interesting little tidbit that it's not unsafe, it's just uncomfortable. And so there is anti-flush niacin now, but actually it's for the mental health aspect of things. If you are using a high dose for mental health concerns, the anti-flush niacin actually doesn't have as good of results. So Yeah, I was actually doing some research for a supplement company Mm -hmm. and we were looking into niacin and they were like, oh, let's all self-experiment and take as much niacin as we can (laughs) and like we'll see at what dose that each of us flush at. I think I didn't flush until like two grams and like there were other people who flushed at like 500 milligrams, even at like 50 milligrams, they started flushing. So, but then also in the the literature shows, just like Maylee said, that the anti-flush kind doesn't quite have the same positive benefits. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like the flush might be a good thing. It might be, you know, this sort of reaction that is necessary to have the benefits of niacin. So just like Maylee said, nothing to be afraid of might just be, you know, if if you're planning on going on a date, maybe don't take all your (laughs) niacin all at once. Um, It will make you bright red and like 
a little bit sweaty and the prickly sensation. Yeah, it's not comfortable. Yeah, but it, it and, subsides after yeah. a little bit. <laughs> and again, this is we're talking high dose. We're talking like therapeutic high level doses in order to treat a specific condition. This isn't your B complex to make sure you have adequate levels. So this definitely shouldn't be something you're just doing on your own. This is again in conjunction with your healthcare provider. Yeah, I, I don't think I've actually had a single patient who's said that they've had a nice and flush from a B complex, like a daily no. B complex, even from a prenatal. I don't think I've had too many like skin flushing events, but it's specific to those like just niacin supplements that you're taking in mm -hmm. high doses, I mm -hmm. find will create a flush. Okay, so that wraps up our spotlight on B vitamins. And I know we talked about a lot of different things there and it can get confusing because there's eight in one. So please send us any questions you have. If you would like us to go into a little bit more detail, one of the B vitamins, maybe niacin, because it's my favorite. Um, <laughs> maybe we can do another podcast and really kind of look at the research there for specific conditions. As always, if you have a supplement that you're curious about, please let us know and maybe we can do a supplement spotlight on it. And until next time, feel well, learn well. Mm -hmm.